Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mercury Blitz, episode 352 in the house, the pre-Christmas edition of the Gridiron Blitz. We're getting ready for Christmas this Friday, so uh, a lot of action is going to happen in the NFL. NBA's back, um, college football in full swing with all the bowl games. Uh, we're also going to be diving into week 16 with the playoff scenarios, uh, the wildcard playoffs, and then the bowl game matchups and the reason certain teams didn't get in. So we'll be talking to Hall of Famer Holly Custis in a couple minutes here as we get the breakdown for college football, NFL Week 15, and then Mackenzie Brooks will be here in a half hour or so to kind of preview Week 16 and what that's going to look like in the NFL. We'll also have news and notes from the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties, and then we'll also dive into um, a little bit of news in terms of the scenario in Gridiron West and Gridiron New, New South Wales in terms of finishing up the season December and January. So welcome aboard, everybody. Make sure you go to uh, monkeyknifefight.com. If you haven't played NFL all season, you're missing out, so check it out. You can go to monkeyknifefight.com. Fast and simple prop games, uh, shark-free fantasy out of the way here. Uh, my, my, uh, you can do uh, more or less uh, props, fantasy challenge props. You can do star players only, so there's no lineups like on DSF or DraftKings or FanDuel, $2 minimum, get an instant deposit, match up up to $50, minimum of $10. You sign up using our code NJF at monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight is our sponsor, uh, keeps a uh, blitz on the air, talking about women's American football as well as NFL Weekly. So check it out at monkeyknifefight.com. Use the code NJF to get started today. So let's bring in the Hall of Famer here so we can talk college football. So, uh, Holly, how's it going today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Getting ready for Christmas. Uh, doing shopping online and a little bit local. Yeah, um, I tried to get mine done a little bit earlier this year because I know that COVID has uh, wrecked havoc on, um, you know, shipping and the logistics of everything. Um, yeah, I, I think I started right after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think um, almost all the packages are here, Uh, but uh, definitely I think, you know, considering how rough 2020 is um, and has been for a lot of people, I think it's an important time to to try to try to, you know, have a moment of joy or two at the end of the year. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. I don't have a large family. Uh, A lot of people have large families. Uh, We don't have large families, so we're going to pretty much stay put. And uh, so we're sending out Christmas cards for the most part and other gifts locally. But other than that, 
it's been okay. I mean, we like I said, plan ahead. Like you said earlier, just get in. Uh, most of it was done in November anyway, so I didn't want to, you know, wait to the last minute and then you get, you know, UPS and FedEx saying and you can't get it shipped or uh, arrive on time and things like that. So you do have to plan hey. ahead, especially in these times. Um, Holly, oh, Cincinnati definitely. gets snubbed, and then we got, you know, the the usual lineup. I don't think it was any surprise. We talked about the beginning of the month. Remember you said that some people are going to be very disappointed. And then so the college rankings come out here. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame are the top four teams, uh, and they will play in the playoffs, of course. And Alabama will play Notre Dame at the Rose Bowl, which was, which is normally in California. Now it's going to be in Arlington, Texas, sort of what the Dodgers did <laughs> for the World Series. Uh, and Clemson <laughs> will play Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. So the other New Year's Six Bowls were uh, announced uh, on Sunday afternoon as well. So uh, the one of the biggest one, I think, besides Cincinnati, would have been Indiana, which we had been talking about it um, in the past couple of weeks, remember, with the, uh, the the good defense. Right. So they're 6-1, and they lose out on, an, uh, on a large bid for a prestigious bowl um, game So to uh, Florida and Iowa State. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so, you know, 2020 was going to be a crazy season no matter what because, like we were talking about before, it's difficult when you're comparing teams that have played, uh, you know, 11, 10, 8 games, and then some teams play, you know, 4, mm-hmm. or 5, 6 games, depending on what league you're in, and also depending on just pure luck if the people that you were scheduled to play – um, didn't have to drop a game because of COVID or you didn't have to drop a game or two because of COVID. And so there was just not going to be um, a, a smooth way to decide between these teams. But I think, at least from the standpoint um, of your uh, average fan, I think for me it, it's one of these things that if this was going to be the year that if Cincinnati got into the playoffs, this this had to be that year because of all the chaos and all the comparing apples to oranges and all all of that drama. Cincinnati going undefeated, I think, you know, is really disappointing that they weren't, not only that they weren't in the playoffs, but that they were so far removed from those top four. Finishing, you know, eighth in the in the final rankings I think is definitely definitely a slight to them. And I think for me, um I think it tells you that there's no way that a group of five team is ever going to get into the playoffs in this current format. It's just not going to happen. There's always mm-hmm. going to be another excuse of even if you had a couple undefeated teams and a couple two lost teams because every once in a while we have a crazy year like that, they would still pick a two-loss, you know, let's say uh, hypothetically two-loss Notre Dame over Cincinnati that's undefeated. It's just never going to happen. And I think we all hope that it would happen because we all, you know, uh, Americans love underdogs, and so we're always, like, rooting for that Cincinnati team or the uh, UCF team previously or, you know, Coastal Carolina teams like that, sometimes BYU. We want those teams to do well. And then it's just not fair to them. And then so for me, I'm like, geez, like, I really thought we should uh, have expanded to eight teams a long time ago. But if you're in a group of five and you're like a Cincinnati, you know, uh, 
or UCF or teams like that that are really good teams and, and you're putting together really good programs, why the hell would you stay around if there's no chance that you can get to the playoffs? So they either have to expand the playoffs, or if they don't, I would not be surprised if some of these teams like Cincinnati, UCF, either start moving conferences to get into the picture or some of these conferences just get out of the picture altogether because it is just not a fair free market in this environment for those teams. And so you're thinking to yourself, what if you were in the NFL and you were in a division of four teams and you know that one person or one team out of the four gets into the playoffs but you know that only two teams ever get considered. And if you're one of the other two teams, you can go undefeated and be 16-0 and and never get to the playoffs. Why the hell would you waste your time? <laughs> so I think that's kind of the frustration for those teams. And I, do, I agree, it's not fair. Um, and then when you're looking at the fact that Notre Dame just got walloped by Clemson, it was not even close. I was surprised that they kept them in. You know, I know that they beat Clemson the last time around, and they played really well, but this game, it was not close. So I also think Texas A&M has a big gripe as well um, because I think that they were a solid team, um, and they had, uh, you know, they had a, a resume that I think at least should have got more consideration, especially since Notre Dame just got destroyed. So I think what this does is it sets Notre Dame up to just get destroyed by Alabama. If that happens, then every all these people are going to come out and be like, well, why why didn't you put Texas A&M again, you know, in there? So Notre Dame, for their brand's sake, has to at least try to be competitive against Alabama. I think they have the talent to, to um, create the uh, matchup problems, but I don't know if they have the talent to finish the whole game. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I do also agree that Indiana got, you know, completely snubbed on this. This is the best they've played in, like, I don't know, like 60 years. And I think, for me, the Indiana-Ohio State issue shows you that, you know, the Big Ten definitely has a lot of power when it comes to the playoff committees. But they really love Ohio State. And I think even if Indiana had gone undefeated and beaten Ohio I don't know if they would have gotten in because they're not a big enough brand. And I think for me, what this year has taught me, and somebody brought this up, I saw on Facebook somewhere, that the playoff is not a playoff. It's an invitational. You're not it playing to get in it, really. <laughs> it's yeah, a it complete is an invitational. beauty contest. When you, when you consider your point, right, it's like it's, the top four is locked in. So whether they, they lose right. one, whether they lose two or three games, they're going to go back to what? Oh, this, uh, their strength of schedule was way better than the lower ranked teams strength of schedule. Right. Well, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to go through a strength of schedule, then at that point, once it comes to the playoffs, then it's just, it's just a matchup of one versus eight, you know, one, two versus right. six. You know I mean, if you, if you're going to go that route, then you might as well just make it like the NFL does. You're ranked number one. Alabama right. would have to face today. Alabama would have to face Ohio State to try to make the playoffs. You know, to get into a the playoff contention. If you wanted to make it top ten and make it more competitive, right. you would have to make it to where Alabama faces Iowa State, 
which is 10 and, uh, 11 and 0 versus 9 and 3, which would make sense, right? 11 and 0 against 9 and 3. And then you have you would have Clemson taking on Georgia, 7 and 2 against 10 right. and 1, and then you would have given Cincinnati the opportunity to, to uh, take down on Ohio State, a 9 and 0 versus right. 6 and 0. That would have been right. a lot more, you know, uh, better for them too, for the for the 6 through 10 teams, just to get the opportunity right. to get one week the one week prior, and then at, at that point you can say, okay, now we've eliminated, you know, six through ten, and these are the final four. Right. I think that, that that's what they I, should do. Right. And I think the other, you know, component to this, we were talking about, um, you know, like the underdog teams, they, if, if, if you want to make this a free market environment, then you have to expand to at least eight. And you could do it different ways. I think the most common sense thing to me makes sense if you go, you know, uh, the Power Five conference winners, and then you go, you can go three uh, at large bids. You could go the five Power Conference winners, uh, the like a consistent number one from the group of five, and then two at large. You could do it different ways. But what you need is more people invited to the party because we're like a Cincinnati, right? Perception in college football is everything. The reason, right. one of the reasons why these teams like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State keep getting in is because recruiting comes out of these games. When you're on national TV consistently mm-hmm. in these big games, kids that are 16, 17, 18 years old, they love the shine of that environment. They're going to gravitate towards those teams. So what happens is when a Cincinnati can get into that party, then recruits start looking at Cincinnati, and then they get better, and the competition gets better. The Mm -hmm. product at the end of the day gets better when you open up the competition and allow these other teams in. It only makes the product better. And I I think a lot of the – I know that they're locked into contracts and they do these for, you know, long periods of time and they understand the financial part of that. But I also think that they need to wake up and understand if they don't fix this, you're going to lose some. Some of these schools are not going to just, you know, bother at all. And then what happens is, well, then who who are these, uh, you know, um, big dogs going to play if they don't have the little dogs to play anymore? You know what I mean? So they have to fix it. And COVID provides an opportunity to fix that structure. And so I'm hoping (laughs) that leadership prevails and they make changes and at least expand it. Because if they don't, I feel like, you know, I I just feel, I feel terrible for like a a Cincinnati because it's just just not going to happen. There's enough money in this division one college football. If, if if a playoff mode can be done in Division Three and Division Two, I don't understand yeah. why this Division One has to be different. You know what I mean? It's like you're 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 right. going off. You're going off like you said. A, it's kind of like a just a prized mentality. Oh, who do we want to give it to this this week because they're so good, right? It just doesn't work. Right. I mean, the only other method I would know that I would think of would be okay for every uh you know win, you know you get a win, you get a point. You could do it like the international does in the international uh, sem, uh, you know, scopes with like a different sports where you get a win, one point for the win, and if you score over 40 points, you get another two points, 
right? And if you score under 20 right. points, you're going to get one point. So that means literally that takes away the strength of schedule because now you're like, okay, right. now you're getting points for, you know, horrible loss and you're getting points for a great victory and then you get a point for the victory. Mm-hmm. But if you go into soccer mode, right. into the soccer realm of things, you know what I mean, the, the aggregate type mentality, I mean, that would work better for, I think, college football because now you're really eliminating the strength of schedule and you're really just going by scoring and an actual win. So that would help, obviously, like Cincinnati, for example. Right. You know, if they scored a lot of points, then obviously the justification is there for say, hey, we need to be in the dance. But, yeah, to your point, right. they they got to fix it. They they got to come up with something. Even the eight would been would have been fair for Cincinnati because they would have to face, what, Alabama? <laughs> then an opportunity right. to face an Alabama. And then Florida would have to take it on but, Clemson, as an example. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's – like, if Cincinnati, you know, they're, they ended up eighth. If they had been, like, fifth or sixth, then mm-hmm. I, I can I can buy that more. But the fact that they're eighth, they're behind teams that lost two and three games, that's mm-hmm. really insulting. And then Indiana has one loss, only to Ohio State, and they played them extremely well and almost won that game and probably should have won the game. And then they're behind two teams in front of them that have three losses. It's a two-game difference. That is really not accurate, in my opinion. You know, I think Indiana really deserved a lot better as well. And I, when I'm looking at this um, ranking system, it's less to me about strength of schedule. <laughs> it's more to me about branding, which is really sad yeah. because, it steals away from what could be. And it's not to say we don't think Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State or all these teams are good teams. They are good teams. But what happens is perception turns into reality where you're missing some of these teams that could compete. And then by being involved in the party, they could get better in the long-term game by getting more recruits. And then then you have a better product overall on the field. And I think they're missing that opportunity. And I hope well, that the visibility down the line that for they get Cincinnati it. to play in Alabama would be there. To your would point, the visibility for recruiting yes. to play in Alabama and to compete against in Alabama, then somebody would say, man, where's that program, right? You'd ask that question. Cincinnati is a great, right. a good team. Even if they don't beat Alabama, it puts like ingrain, a grain of salt in there going, where is Cincinnati? That's a good program, right? Because they're up against Alabama. Right. right. Yeah. One day, Oscar. <laughs> One day. Ever since I've started looking into this, it's sketchy, okay? It's almost like Washington, D.C. with all the shady stuff. <laughs> Just saying. It's a lot. It's, 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 um, and here's the weird thing. It used to be so much worse. <laughs> it used yeah, I know. to be so you much me. worse. Yeah. No, I know you and told then, me before. And then, you know, and then the weird thing is also, you know, a lot of the pushback initially to, to create, you know, when they first had, like, the BCS era and then they had, like, the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the playoff era and all this stuff was there's a lot of tradition involved in the bowl games. So what's happening, because you're not expanding the playoff, is that let's say you are the star person on your team and your team – you know, like, I don't know, they go like nine and three or something, and they go to like a um, like a medium-level bowl, a lot of those guys are opting out. 
and mm-hmm. and then they're not participating because they're trying to save themselves for the uh, draft, which totally makes sense because they feel like, oh, well, you know, it's just an average bowl game. Why would I put my body on the line knowing that I'm going to have a payday yeah, it's soon? Yeah, it's not a national so, championship. There's no price for it, and yeah. you're not going to get ranked any higher. You're not going to make any more money. So, so you're not going to be like in the top really... 10. No, and it is, so I think what's happening is they thought that having a playoff would take the shine away from the bowl games when in actuality not expanding the playoffs has taken the shine off the bowl games. Because you have the system in place and the structure with the bowl games, you could simply uh, – you, you could do it a couple of different ways, but, you know, they, they have reinvented some of the bowl games uh, at the top level – you could do that at the medium level too, or you could simply have the the better record, you know, host the game or whatever. But you can do it in different ways to still save that tradition, but also bring in the opportunity for better competition. So. And then we talked about conferences in the past. You've mentioned it before. I mean, the SEC is kind of like the ownership of it. Um, in Notre Dame right. being independent by namesake, uh, the Texas swing pretty much owns, you know, the Big Ten, the Big 12. So, you know, we talked about the bias for the Pac-10 in that regard, too. So there's just a lot, so many things to, to your point, they have to deal with. they got to put it on the table, and they got to figure out how it can come about to be even a better product and more excitement, especially when it comes to January. All right, guys, I invite you guys to go to monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is our sponsor. Um, They've been a great sponsor so far this year. Owned by the NFL Players PA as well, ownership there. So really excited to pair up with them. I was really uh, excited at the beginning of the year when I got uh, the news that we were going to be sponsored by them. So it was really awesome. So go to MikeyKnifeFight.com, Shark Free Fantasy Games, uh, more or less Fantasy Challenge, star players only, including the NFL, $2 minimum buy-in. You get an instant deposit up to $50, $10 minimum as well. Sign up, use NJF. Helps us out with the podcast, keep us uh, going here to bring attention to women's American football as well as NFL news and notes weekly that we do with the NFL. And then also our co-host here keeps us going with their good insights as well. So if you enjoy our podcast, it's a simple, simple thing to do. Just go to MikeyNight5.com, sign up, and you can actually make some money there on uh, more or less. That's what I play. It's pretty easy to do. Well, you know, Roethlisberger, more or less over Finley. Uh, I'm so I went with Finley, and guess what? I got pretty good. I did pretty good, more or less. And uh, Ben didn't play that great, so kind of just justify that for me. So get, a, get an instant deposit up to $50. So go sign up at monkeyknife5.com. Use code NJF. All right, um, so talking about that, uh, let's see here. What bowl games are we going to be, like, just let's say three, three games. Obviously, the Rose Bowls moved to Texas, and then we have the Sugar Bowl. So what other game uh, should we be watching? I know there's games on now, right? Started yesterday or today and then going through the week. Yeah, right now BYU is crushing UCF 42 to 10, which is not surprising. Um, But there are quite a few good matchups. There's a lot of bowl games that had to cancel either because of their local, um, you know, uh, restrictions that they had to deal with or because they're – there were simply not enough teams to fulfill their bowl game because a lot of them opted out. But there are some still really good games. Um, on the 29th, Oklahoma State plays Miami. I think those are two exciting teams to watch. 
Oklahoma State's defense is still really strong, and J.R. King is a really exciting quarterback to watch, so I think that will be fun. Um, and then, let's see, you got uh, um, uh, Florida at, um, against uh, Oklahoma. Uh, that matchup will be really exciting as well. I think Florida has proven that they have they have athletes. And Kyle Trapp, you know, last year was really kind of inconsistent. This year he, he has proven that he can be clutch in the fourth quarter. Um, and then I still think Kyle Pitts is the best tight end and there's been in college football for a few years now. So that's really fun. And Oklahoma has improved a lot. They started out really slow out of the gate. Um, and they've, they've kind of gotten the, themselves together a bit. So this is going to be a test for Oklahoma's defense um, that was really poor at the beginning of the year and um, has seemed to uh, have improved. So that will be a good matchup uh, that I like. Um, and then when you get to the, the games on the first, uh, you have Georgia and Cincinnati. And Georgia's playing better offensively uh, with JT Daniels. You know, Georgia the last few years has been very strong on defense, but it's been their offense that, you know, has either been on or off. And I think uh, JT has kind of given them a shot in the arm. And then we get that Cincinnati matchup where this might be – might not – be as good as the playoff situation for them, but it's at least in year stable, so that at least that's something for them. And then you get, to, of course, the semifinal games: um, Notre Dame against uh, Alabama, and again Notre Dame. How are they going to respond after getting destroyed by Clemson? And that was not just the loss; it was the way that they lost. It was the way that uh, Ian Book couldn't get um, out of the pocket. It was the way they, they couldn't get the ball to their tight ends, the, the way that they like to do. They offensively couldn't do anything. Um, can they right the ship against Alabama, who is kind of uh, just on a roll right now? That's going to be a big question. And then you have Ohio State and Clemson, who I don't know if you saw, but uh, – Davo Sweeney, um, in his coaching poll uh, ballot that he sent uh, in, he ranked mm-hmm. Ohio State 11th. <laughs> and he's been very vocal all year about everything, really, but also about Ohio State and how he doesn't think they should be ranked third and because they haven't played a lot of games. And, yes, I do think Ohio State um, has definitely gotten the benefit of the doubt, not only nationally, but also from their own conference to get them into the spot. But I do think Dabo is also a little bit of a drama queen this year. <laughs> and Ohio State could not, you know, they couldn't help that they only played six games. That That's what they were dealt with, right? right. So I also think I'm kind of torn in this one because, <laughs> um, you know, I really love – uh, like Trevor Lawrence is a guy who you're like, okay, he's kind of like that kid brother personality who he's kind of naive a little bit, but then he like, is also just a nice kid. Um, and so I like watching him play. Um, I, I like the Clemson players, the Dabo has been wearing on me this year a little bit. And then Ohio state who also like gets the benefit of the doubt from everything. So who's going to win that matchup? That's going to be an interesting one. Um, you know, especially because Fields had uh, not his best game uh, his, the last game around. And um, I think Fields, his key is when he does not try to do too much. And if they're able to run the ball like they were the last game, 
that will help. It's when they can't run the ball and Fields has to try to create too much on his own that they get in trouble. So all great matchups, but uh, then you also have, uh, let's see, my Ducks against Iowa State. That will be a fun one on the on the second. Um, you know, our, we took care of USC for you, Oscar, and our defense, I don't know where they were before, but <laughs> we did. So that was the first time. What was it? I say you really did appreciate it. I know it was it was awesome because you know um, Oregon and USC have developed um, to be rivals the last like fifteen years or so, and I think uh, defensively that was the best performance we've had because we're, we're so young that at the beginning of the year they were um, you know they were out of position they overran plays they were arm tackling they weren't communicating and then all of that came together in this game. And it was awesome. And I was like, oh, if we had played that way defensively all year, like, it would be a completely different story for this season. But it's exciting for next year. So um, it's going to be still a challenge because Brees Hall for Iowa State is one of the best running backs in the country. So it's really going to test, you know, was that a matchup, uh, you know, uh, thing for us against USC? Or has our defense really, really improved? And can we handle a running back like Brees Hall when we struggled so much against Jamar from Oregon State a few weeks ago. So that's going to be a fun matchup. Um, and then also Texas A&M um, against North Carolina is going to be fun because Texas A&M is, has to be frustrated that they were there. Notre Dame got smacked around and they didn't get yep. into the playoff. And then North Carolina, you know, has a really powerful offense when they're, when they're rolling. So I think that should be – you know, an up-tempo type of game with a lot of offense. I'm excited to see that one, too. Yeah, I think the one I've been looking forward to is Cincinnati against Georgia. If they can beat Georgia, it kind of proves their point that they maybe deserve to have been in a higher rank. You know what I mean? They should have been deserving of a higher rank. And we'll see what the score is. If they run up the score on Georgia for whatever reason and Georgia doesn't perform as well, uh, more proven, you know, for them. So i got Rose Bowl. Uh, You said Rose Bowl semifinal, Alabama, Notre Dame, Sugar Bowl, Clemson at Ohio State. And then we got uh, Fiesta Bowl, Oregon against uh, Iowa State. Uh, We also have Indiana going to take on Ole Miss at the Outback Bowl. And then Orange Bowl, as you said, Texas A&M against North Carolina. So we're looking forward to it. And then the uh, national championship, obviously, on Monday, January 11th. So uh, it's pretty, pretty awesome. All right, guys, if you guys haven't gone to – our No Joke Football sites on Facebook, on Instagram, at No Joke Football, on Twitter at No Joke Football. Check out the stuff there at the Zazzle.com for slash Gridiron Beauty site. Uh, it supports our podcast as well through the apparel branding and all the awesome athletes that are uh, sporting our stuff. A shout out to the Aussie girls out there, uh, Shiloh Phillips, uh, Renee Hahn, and company out there for doing their part, uh, Aliyah Carmali. So thank you guys out there in Aussie land for Sporting out No Joke Football brand, as well as all the other athletes. So check them out at No uh, No Joke Football on Facebook, No Joke Football on Instagram, and as well as at, at No Joke Football on Twitter. All right, uh, Holly, uh, I just my Rams laid an egg. I mean, like I'm so like, what the hell? You know what I mean? What the <laughs> hell? Opportunity to clinch the division, really put it put it away. Starting to starting to feel like fisher ears here for me. This is not good. 
Yeah, that that was a head scratcher because I was, you know, you had an opportunity to, to um, like you said, take the division, and we all know how hard um, the division is. Um, and then to to do that against the Jets is really head scratching. I like I don't really <laughs> I don't really understand that either. And it's really interesting because going into the year. I honestly didn't think the Rams would be that good. I didn't think they'd be terrible, but I thought they would probably be kind of where the Cardinals are. Um, so kind of good, but not quite. Um, and so they've actually outpaced my expectations going in. Um, but this game is kind of a head scratcher. Like I, um, I'm not quite we knew sure. The Jets had a good we had talked about the Jets having a good defense. We did right. do that. He yeah. did play really gal- yeah. well. So I think the blame goes on the offense, and I think McVay knew it because on his press conference, he was not a happy guy. And the fact that he lost by three points just tells you the whole story right there. Yeah, and then I I do agree. It seemed like the offense was not – they dug themselves in a hole, and then they were trying to come back, and um, it was kind of too little too late. But I I just think it's your team goes as far as – Goff goes if he's consistent on the offensive side of the ball and you're running the ball well your defense is really strong the defensive line and the secondary are really good you know so I don't know this is a head scratcher hopefully you know every team has one of these at least like every good team has one weird loss for a year maybe this is it for you I'm hoping but it does open the division up a little bit again um and so now, now we have to pressure. We on have to have Josh. Arizona win. We have to if we lose to mm-hmm. Seattle, we have to have Arizona win and the Bears lose. That's how we get in, right? To playoff first, right? Because we're not going to win the division. If your... Seattle beats us, if yeah. Seattle beats us, they win the they win the the division. Now we are fighting for a playoff first, which is a Chicago loss, which they're playing pretty well right, right now, and an Arizona win, which more than likely that could happen. But that's like you just put yourself in a pickle. Yeah, you took the destiny out of your own hands. Is basically what happened, yep. and and um, it's not you don't want to have this type of loss this close to the end of the year. If you're going to have a loss like that, you want to have it towards like the beginning or, or middle, <laughs> um, just for momentum's sake. But on, on the other side. It's also a head scratcher for the Jets because the Jets fans are like, okay, great, we won, but now we we because we won, now we would technically have a second pick if the draft you started seen the today. Twitter, so you could have seen the Twitter storm <laughs> after that win. Everybody was like, what the hell so, are you doing? <laughs> so we're going zero and sixteen. So the Jets fans were like, we can't even win right. We can't even lose right. Like, what is happening? Like, what? Because think about this. Like, if you know, if this holds and they get the second pick and they don't get Trevor Lawrence. And we're just assuming that the Jaguar, uh, the Jaguar would take Trevor Lawrence. Then what if we look back 10 years from now and we're like, Oh man, the Jets could have had Trevor Lawrence and he's like a Hall of Fame guy. And look what he's doing with the Jags. And, and they have their oh. chance, but no, this one time they beat the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That would be the nightmare for all Jet fans. All right, let's bring in the uh, the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks, in the house here, uh, so we can talk about that as well. Mac, uh, 
my Rams are talking about my Rams losing to the Jets of all things. Now we got put ourselves in a playoff pickle. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Shut up, man! I kind of giggled back to me. <laughs> I can't. But I was kind of salty at first, but I'm like, you know, this would happen to some decent team. You know, you already knew. And, I, you already knew I was hot. You already knew I was hot after that <laughs> loss. I was like, what the hell is this? Shit? Yeah, I was like, well, it could be worse. You could no, no. I don't think it could be worse. Don't think that's the thing. Yeah, no. The Jets fans were even more pissed off than anything. I think we were pissed off because we lost to the Jets, but Jets fans were like more pissed off that they won. That was not good. Or maybe not. <clears throat> yeah, I was just like, I was sitting there like, oh, is this happening right now? Like, I was really kind of offended for you. I don't know what I needed to do, but McVeigh just didn't, you know, McVeigh just kind of like, okay, I got outplayed or something because that's that was his excuse. Now he has to beat Seattle, which is really <laughs> a tough thing to do. To beat Seattle, amazing yeah. game, you could have won it already, just bad. Um, let's go, Mac, let's go into, the, uh, into your realm in the East, okay? The Washington football team, they clinched the NFC East division title with a win – Plus a New York loss or a tie or a tie and a New York loss or a Philly-Dallas tie. Well, see, seeing as how Washington, New York, and Philly all lost yesterday and Dallas won, one is crazy. And two, it Thank puts, you, Pollard. It puts, Pollard, I played Pollard right, on my it, fantasy. Oh, my God. Thank you, Pollard. Yeah, and I'm glad that we I, – I mean, I'm not glad that Zeke was hurt, but I'm glad that he was out because Tony Pollard has been playing better football this entire year. So I can't be mad. I can't, however, be pleasantly surprised. We've, had, we've now had a two-game winning streak with what's been less than a shell of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but it definitely gives us looks for next season especially with Dak coming off the injury and seeing what other parts and components we have. Um, so I, I'm thinking I'm thinking if, if Dallas can uh, pull out the W this weekend, I'm thinking we'll be, we'll be comfy in that second-place spot. Uh, Mac, were you surprised at any of the games this week? I mean, the Steelers losing to the Bengals last night? To me, that was like yeah, that was, to a third-string yeah, quarterback. Was, My God, I was like, "What?" And he did it. Yeah, he played so, and the guy was smiling the whole time. He's getting whacked. He was getting pressured, and he, big ass smile the whole time. Oh yeah, no, look, that man is a G. It's like you're third on the bench. Your second string is hurt. Joe Burrow's is hurt. Okay, now this is just you know time for you to get some reps and maybe snag a second, you know, maybe snag, um, you know, a second, a second string spot for next season, you know, showing what you can do at the end of a season of a down year. Um, and to say that I'm surprised that the Steelers lost, I, I, I am, but I'm not. I am just for the plain fact that they have been dominant for 65, 75, 85% of the season. And now the, well, really the past, 
probably five games they've had have been close. They almost had their first loss due to a due given to a Dallas Cowboys team. Um, they damn near lost was that two two weeks ago. I think it was against uh, the Chiefs. Yeah, they, I mean they've had some some close calls. Uh, so. Um, but, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, it's any given game day, any given Saturday, Sunday, it's really who goes out there and what team wants it more. Holly, are you surprised the Browns uh, are at this close to making the playoffs? I mean, it's just – they're just this close. They get to, they get to – they have to win out against the Jets and then uh, a Baltimore loss or a tie. They have to win or a Miami loss or tie. There's a multiple ranges of how they can win. Uh, Indiana loses and they win, they get in. So, I mean, are we surprised that they're ten and four? It looks like Stefanski's doing something well. Am I surprised that they're ten and four? No, actually, um, going into this season, um, you know, we looked at when people were uh, making their predictions and looking at schedules. Their schedule is actually uh, picked to be one of the easiest, if not the easiest, in, in the league, just from the standpoint of who they were playing. And I think what you're seeing is you're seeing it, um, a team that is, you know, coming off years and years and years of losing. And then last year they had all this hype, and then they just fell apart. And I think what's happening is they are playing easier teams, but you can tell they're more confident now. So winning – you know, it tends to do that. It tends to help your confidence level. And you can see also that they've adjusted some of their scheme uh, offensively with Baker, and they have him rolling out more and doing different things that make him feel more comfortable. So he is definitely improving. And uh, you also have two running backs uh, that probably mm-hmm. would start anywhere, so that helps. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, I think their main question is, can they play uh, consistently enough on the defensive end? And, and can they uh, be consistent enough offensively in a, come playoff time? And so I definitely think that they are gaining their confidence. They're going the right direction. Um, you know, they're going to get into the playoffs. And so now they're kind of getting to that level of, well, how far can we get in the playoffs? Can we, we stop? Kansas City uh, defensively? Can we do those sort of things? So a lot is going to be, um, you know, told in the playoff picture once once they get there. But even if they don't make a big run this year, it's going to tell them where they're at. And then so then in the offseason, they can add those final pieces. But they're definitely going the right direction. And I think they've benefited a lot from this season with their confidence, and you can tell. Without OBJ, if you if you put it uh, as funny, a side actually. note, right? No OBJ. If they had OBJ, I think they would have way better. But Landry's good. Hopper has been excellent for them as a, as a second option, and I think they've been taking advantage of it really big time. Uh, Mac, uh, Buffalo for real. We said it at the beginning of the year. Josh Allen makes this team roll. Uh, Tom Brady has gone south, and all of a sudden New England stinks. Now it is a uh, race between Buffalo and Miami, which is very interesting. We've never had that in, what, 11 years? And then New England misses the playoffs. You know, this is, this is what's interesting to me is every year for the past, 
what, eight seasons, New England has made it, and Buffalo hasn't. Now, in 2020, it's a 180 the other direction. New England doesn't, and Buffalo is in handily. I think they're for real. They finally have all the components they need. Josh Allen is a freaking beast, um, period. Josh they Allen is a that, I think Beasley's been a very good key uh, acquisition. McKinney, you got Singletary. Uh, they got a balanced run game. Now they got the quarterback that can throw the ball. Uh, so Miami, I mean, uh, Buffalo really is the opposite of New England, you know, without, with uh, kind of a Tom Brady-like offense, and I think they're benefiting. Yeah, I think adding Cole Beasley to that Buffalo offense because he can do so much – um, not just as a receiver, but he can run the ball and, you know, throw the halfback pass too. I think if they can start using, uh, you know, using some of those kind of sets in the offense for Buffalo, I think they're going to be very hard to stop. AFC East Division champions. What do you think of that? I mean, that's just uh, – this this kid's taken him in, what, less than, two, less than two years? He's He's taken him there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, very impressive win, 48-19 to 19 against Denver, which obviously Denver's got a lot of problems. But anyways, it just it worked out really good for them. The Chiefs win the West. Uh, Pittsburgh clinches the playoff berth even with the loss. Um, so they could have gone for the division, but they didn't. Um, Holly, your boy Herbert finally breaks out uh, and, and beats the Raiders. So, um, you know, this is just, uh, I guess, up, up from here. If anything, that's what we have to talk about the Chargers is from here on up. Well, okay, so a couple things about this. So, first of all, a couple games ago was, like, the worst um, that they've played in a really long time, and I was very surprised that Anthony Linsville had a job and it was terrible. And yep. it's still not perfect, but I think that um, they've responded, at least the team has the last couple of weeks here. And I have to tell you, it was so much fun. Because when Carr went down and the, my boy Marcus got to play again, it was like watching. It was like it was like Christmas watching two of my favorite mm-hmm. people just duke it out. And I like, I I'm really happy for Herbert, and I think you know I think he's going to get the uh, Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year probably. Um, and I think he he's having an awesome year and it was really exciting to watch, but I'm also really happy for Marcus because I feel like Marcus has had a really hard year and a half and he's such a nice kid and he has so much talent. And when I watched him in Oregon, he, he when he was on, he was like a, a surgeon and he just got put in the, this is why it's important when you get drafted as a quarterback, it depends on where you go. And when he went to the Titans, he had, I don't remember, how many, you know, uh, head coaches, offensive coordinators and systems he had in like a few years, but it was like every year was different all the way around. And I don't think they, they used him correctly. And it was good to watch him play and just feel comfortable and confident again because as much – it's really interesting because I really felt like uh, Marcus has more uh, raw talent and then Herbert, when I watched him in college, had uh, a little less raw talent as far as accuracy, but more arm, but more mental grit um, that you can see now in the first year. But Marcus, there's still something there. 
And so I'm really hoping if it doesn't end up, you know, being with the Raiders because they still have Carr, that somebody else will take a shot on him because I still think there's something there. And uh, so that was a fun game for me. I'm not going to lie. It was like I didn't know who to root for. I was like, go offense. Oh, oh, okay, go the other offense. Yay. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. It was seesaw excitement. I think we nobody would have thought that that was going to happen. You know, and, and nobody thought Mariota. I put in a punk play uh, in my FanDuel lineup, and everybody laughed at me at the beginning when I was in my group. I'm like, I'm going to put Mariota as a quarterback. And they're like, what do you want for – he's not even available. And I put Mariota as a quarterback, and that guy got me some dollars. So that was kind of there a punk know. play. And I got, I got Mariota to give me some dollars. So that was really good. I mean, sometimes I just like – coming into this game, I felt like Carr was not going to finish the game. And it looked like because right. the Chargers had been playing somewhat good defense, uh, it's unfortunately mm-hmm. that he got a hammy and he gave me some, you know, some right. dough. But, but, you know, thanks, thanks to David Carr. Really appreciate it. It was really cool of you um, <laughs> to do the hammy. Um, it's not the same as the Lamar moment, but yeah, it's close to it, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Um, right. <laughs> what do we do, uh, uh, Mac? Uh, I know you don't want to give praises to the cheeseheads, but they really took care of business. 24-16 in Carolina, they clinched the North, which I don't think anybody was surprised at the beginning of the year that the Packers would be here. No one cares about Green Bay. Only Green Bay fans care about Green Bay. They suck, and I don't like them. Yay, good win for them. I mean, they played a less than subpar Carolina team um, with them having, you know, not having Greg Olson anymore and now having C-Mac out for – what seems to be the past month, they beat up on a subpar Carolina team. I mean, a win is a win. I just don't like Green Bay. I mean, I don't know. I ain't idea. <laughs> but the saving graces is uh, they have a rough one coming up this week, Oscar. You know, well, they only get Tennessee. I'm, I'm not real sure. They're only playing for a first-round bye. You think they're going to hold yeah, Henry? You know. No. I don't think so. Not at all. We've all seen. We all seen. We all see what what Derrick Henry has done to people. Then Derrick Henry does Derrick Henry things, as my me and my friends like to say. Derrick Henry is going to do Derrick Henry things, which include manhandling defensive backs, because <laughs> that's what he does. I love You're just in love with this guy. It. You're in love with this guy. It's gonna. I love me some Derrick Henry. That's my guy. Like, like he's the best running back in, in football right now. I don't care what anybody has to say. Like, his stats and numbers, and it seems like every week after after NFL Sunday, there's a meme about him, like, legitimately, and it's at the cost of some other defensive back. Yeah, it, I think he's going to play a good game. Uh, Green Bay clinches a first-round bye if they beat Tennessee or if Seattle loses to the Rams or if New Orleans loses and they got a tie. Uh, so there's a scenario then to do a clinch, uh, to clinch a first-round bye, so there's incentive there for Green Bay. Um, Holly, let's go into uh, Friday. Minnesota, New Orleans. So New Orleans at this point sits uh, – they can clinch the South. They win or a uh, Tampa Bay loss or a New Orleans tie or Tampa Bay tie. So they're they're you know must win in other words they have to win in order for them to win the division. Yeah, you know I think um, 
the Saints definitely need this game. I, I mean, um, the beginning of, of last week, uh, you know, Drew Brees was coming off his injury, and he definitely looked not quite right. Um, I think he missed, like, his first, like, six or seven passes, and it just didn't seem very cohesive. And uh, he got his rhythm a little bit later, but uh, I think it was a little too late. Uh, I think the Saints, you know, definitely need this game. They, they You want to have Drew Brees clicking on all cylinders with your offense going into the playoffs. You don't want to be backdooring your way in with your quarterback banged up and your offense not in rhythm. And so this is an opportunity for them um, to, to kind of, you know, tune things up and, and, and shore up that uh, division. Um, and I think they can do that against the Vikings. So we'll see what happens, but, you know, I definitely think Breeze, of all people, he, he needs this game and he needs to perform well. Are you disappointed in Minnesota so far? I mean, it's kind of been yeah. a disappointment. Oh. I think they just they dug themselves too big of a hole. You know what I mean? Like, they started off really rocky this year, and then they kind of turned it around a little bit, and then they, they've kind of fallen back down. And I think, you know, it's one of those seasons of, if they had come out of the gate the way that uh, we all thought that they would, then the recent two or three games wouldn't have been an issue. But when you start that poorly, you have to be basically perfect going forward. And it is kind of disappointing. I mean, poor Devin Cook is, like, doing everything out there. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's like Superman out there. And, um, you know, and then uh, Justin Jefferson has just exploded so it's not that they don't have like people; they have talent. They're they're just not consistent, and I don't know, you know, um, what their game plan in the off season will be. Uh, but they do have a few holes, and we'll see if they're able to regroup or if they there might be questions at quarterback if that's an issue. Um, but it is disappointing considering. Um, that you have people like Dalvin Cook and, and Justin Jefferson just just going all crazy everywhere. So, yes, to answer you. All right, um, Mac. Uh, Tom Brady will make a playoff berth if they win and take care of Detroit, which is very likely that that will happen. And that means uh, Belichick's not in the playoffs. So that means he wins. We talked about it at the end of the year. Who will, you know, if Brady left? the savior Newton, would they stay on the same course that Brady was in? And now we're, now we have the answer. The answer is Tom Brady will probably go to the playoffs. Well, his uh, coach in, in, in New England will not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is a funny one because at the beginning of the season, we were talking about Tom Brady, you know, potentially being just a system quarterback, you know, you could put him anywhere and he would make that system better or great. Seems to me that Tom Brady is he's a he's a guy. Tom Brady is is the it man when it comes to long lasting quarterbacks like him, Drew Brees, you know, Big Ben, the the big big time vets of the league. And when you look at the kind of season that you know Bill Belichick has had, he has had less than a you know, presumably great season with having Cam Newton and Will Greer as his backup, uh, Jared Stidham rather. So it's uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if, 
if, if TB12 and Gronk and Tristan works down there can pull off a, a playoff berth the first, you know, the first year um, him and Gronk are back together after, you know, two years, it'll, it's going to, it's going to make a statement. It's going to say something. All right. So if Detroit pulls the upset, all they got to rely on is on Chicago loss, which is more more than likely will happen, but we'll see. But they, they should get the win. They won't clinch the division because I think New Orleans will take care of Minnesota, but it puts them in the playoffs, so I think it makes them look good. Um, Holly, uh, Niners got nothing to play for, except for maybe revenge and spoilers <laughs> against Arizona. Oh, man. 2020. Uh, okay, my, my team has had one of the most 2020 seasons, I, I think, out there. And then, you know, I just heard uh, this afternoon that Nick Mullins can't play and he's out the rest of the season, too. And so it's um, it's uh, McKenzie's guy, um, CJ, starting going forward. And then we signed um, uh, Rosen um, out of nowhere, I think, just as a, as a backup guy, just in case. <laughs> it's to the point now where it's like I was watching the game against the Cowboys and I was like, you know what? It, it we just turned the ball all over all over the damn place and 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 that's my frustration with Nick. Like he has the skill set to fit this scheme, in that he can be a ball distributed person, but he just turns the ball over and makes bad decisions when he gets pressured and he gets flustered. Yep. And when you have like a good defensive line where they're just coming after you every play that's when he just completely melts down mentally and makes terrible mistakes. And, and so that's a problem. And then defensively, considering how many people we lost, we've actually done pretty good considering that this year. Uh, But obviously it's not our year. And so for me right now, I'm like, we need a quarterback because this year has given us, Glances, we've gotten a good look at all three guys, and I don't think it, any of the three guys are the guy, you know. Um, and I think you, want golf? you know when they drafted, what was that? You want no, golf? No, I do not want golf. golf. No, no, <laughs> he's a he's the exact opposite of what we we need. Just is just talking even just from a style standpoint. But when we drafted Ayuk, um, you know, when we had all these receivers on the board that we could have picked. I think that really tells you that we, at least Shanahan seems to want to um, have a lot of weapons that are, you know, yak people, so yards after catch. He wants to drop the ball off in, in the intermediate game and have them run for extra yardage, which is why we have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Ayuk are all, in the, that's all of their style. That, that's who they are, right? So if that's their style and that's the, the style of your weapons, Jimmy does not fit that. He is a drop-back passer, play-action guy, and ever since his injury, he was never really mobile before, but after his injuries, he's been even less mobile, and that's not his style. So your quarterback and the weapons and your scheme are all that conflict. And so I think they've been trying to make it work, but it's kind of like taking a square pig and trying to force it into a, a round hole. It's just not working. And so for me, I'm like, okay, McKinsey's team, you can beat us because we need draft picks. <laughs> and thank you for the for the loss because now we're You're moving up Jets a couple spots. Wagon. And now, yes, now I'm in the Jets bandwagon. And now I'm like, 
Yay, Cincinnati. Go for it. Beat the Steelers. Because right now, like, you know, straight, uh, talking about, like, the Cowboys, the Cowboys, you know, as long as they take care of Dak, they have a quarterback. That's not their problem. They're going to be okay if they end up drafting, like, seventh, eighth, ninth, or somewhere in there. We need to move up to get a quarterback. And so, for me, I'm like, okay, it's nice if we win, but I'm really actually happy right now if we lose because I know if we get that quarterback, even if he's done and we have to take lumps with him next year, if you place that with the people we have coming back from injuries, we'll still be very competitive next year. So our piece that we're really missing right now that's the most immediate, in my opinion, is that quarterback spot. So thank you, McKenzie, because this is the only time I'll be happy that the Cowboys beat the Niners. <laughs> Holly, look, I'll tell you this. I did not expect Dallas to do as well as they did, um, especially against the 49ers, because the same thing happened last year, the same series of events, turnovers, picked off balls, batted down balls, and then we lost because of, you know, a missed field goal or something stupid. Uh, I will tell you, however, I don't think you guys are really in that much need of a quarterback. Like, you have C.J. Beathard, and you've had him for a while, and him prove it, Him throwing that Hail Mary at the end of the game proves that he, you still have a quarterback. Like, people don't realize, like, C.J. Beathard was one of the better quarterbacks to come out of Iowa, and he's actually one of the longer-lasting quarterbacks that's still active in the NFL that has come out of the University of Iowa. I think what has to happen is, is the – you guys are going to have to get him reps if you're, you know, if the coaching staff or the OC, things of that nature, aren't happy with how the way Nick Mullins is playing right now. I think you have to give that chance to CJ Beathard because he's been there. He's been through the trenches. He's been, you know, he, he carried you guys to the, to the playoffs and Super Bowl, what was that, two, three years ago? So, you know, you guys have, kind of have to look at what you already have first. Um, I mean, I can't agree, however, you know, you want to get higher to get a better draft pick. Like that, I can that I can agree with, but I don't quite think you guys need a quarterback. Like CJ Beathard is still a good quarterback. I just think, you know, kind of like we were just talking about with Tom Brady, or and even Marcus Mariota. Rather, you know, you put him, you know, you pick him up and put him somewhere, and maybe he adjusts to, you know, that offense better. Maybe it suits his skill set better. But I think until then, you have to give CJ Beathard a chance to rework him, you know, to get himself reworked into that. Um, uh, starting position week to week for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I definitely think that CJ has um, a skill set, and he has gotten a lot more opportunity this year, and he, he will the rest of the season. I think that it's more of a question of does that skill set fit the scheme that they're trying to run? And so it, he'll have his opportunity, opportunity these last couple of games to, to, to show something. I definitely think he has an arm, and he has – um, he has a lot there. So if this doesn't work with the Niners, I do think he might be kind of like a Marcus that finds a spot somewhere else. But I just know that it's kind of like a, a question for Shanahan of, do I want, is one of these three guys, um, you know, somebody that I think so highly of that I'm going to adjust my offense to them? Or do I really think my that these three guys, one of them fits the offense? I think that's the problem that I'm having. There's a disconnect there between style and, you know, the, between the style of these three guys and the scheme they're trying to run. 
because in my mind, I'm like, okay, in that draft, we had, we had four of the, I don't know, like all of the best receivers were on the board. We had Justin, uh, Justin Jefferson there. We could have taken him. If we took that guy, that tells me you want to stay with Jimmy because he's a, he's a guy that can stretch the field and he's also a good route runner. But Ayuk is the guy that's like the underneath guy, the guy that you can run jet sweeps with, the guy that you can run a slant and then have him run 15 yards after. Like he's that guy. So I'm like, why are we, why are we getting these players that are one direction, but our quarterbacks are all this direction? That's why it's kind of disconnected. So I do like CJ, and I, I hope that he can prove in the next couple games. Um, you know, because I'm not quite sure if he fits the scheme that they want. So we'll see, but I'm still rooting for him. Yeah, I can, I can agree with you there. You know, going off of the kind of quarterback that you guys have had and then going to, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan, more of an RPO um, option, run pass, uh, heavy offense. I can kind of see why you would think DJ Beathard isn't, you know, doesn't quite fit that. But, again, going back to where he went to college, I was known for running the RPO and very well. So, like I said, I think it just, at this point, comes down to how he performs in game-time situations. You know, how he performs, you know, how he performs with the, you know, getting reps again with the starting, you know, with that first team. So, I think that's just it right there is, you know, making sure, he can get acclimated and, and stay acclimated so you guys can either start winning or at least start showing improvements towards the end of the season. Um, and I think that's what – and I think that's going to be, like, a lot of the a lot of the bigger teams' problems, like, especially, like, I can even say that right. with my Dallas Cowboys. Like, there's no saying what is going to happen with Ezekiel Elliott next year. You pay him $90 million and he's played, like, absolute crap this entire season. You – he uh. gets – you know, he's out with an injury and then – you put in Tony Pollard and Tony Pollard, you know, pretty much picks up where he left off, except he's making positive yardage. He's making the plays. Andy Dalton's not, I mean, Andy Dalton's not going to be the starting quarterback next year. I mean, that everybody, everybody that knows football and that has watched him play and knows, knows that he's not going to be the starter next year. You know, if Dak is on schedule and, you know, they feel Dak is ready to get into game time situations again, he's not going to be the starter, but he's going to have, he's going to have those reps. You know that way, if another team needs needs a good quarterback or a decent quarterback, Andy Dalton might be on that list because they only you know Dallas only signed him for one season, and I'm glad they did because you know we needed him. But it all comes down to how you break him down and how, uh, you know, how you're able to adjust and make those kind of adaptations. Yeah, I definitely think um, I definitely think uh, Dallas might have paid the wrong guy. I think. <laughs> I don't think – I never really, like, ever since uh, Zeke had that uh, really awesome year, it, for me at least from um, a third-party perspective, it seems like his production has completely dropped. And I don't know I don't know why. I don't know if he's just gotten kind of satisfied with where he's at. But the first – that one year, he, he, he had, like, a edge and a fire to him. And I know the offensive line was really good that year too. But he – doesn't seem to have that anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah, no. I think with, it's with McCarthy. As, as far as Ezekiel, I think uh, because McCarthy doesn't really run running backs as much as he used to, and I think he's talented, but 
the line is failing because uh, he's not a gap visionary running back. If you open the gaps, he's good. Where Pollard is more of a visionary, and you can tell that he obviously understands where the openings are going to be at. Yeah, and it kind of seems like Zeke is relying a little bit on his natural talent rather than his football IQ. His fo- his football IQ is disgustingly high, just like, you know, almost 100% of the guys who are, who are playing in the NFL, you know, getting paid, paid millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to coach or play or be on that staff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you would think one would try to use their – you know, use their football IQ, you know, IQ that they've spent up teen years trying to create and make better to get in that kind of situation. And I feel like Zeke at this point is just, he's kind of reverting back to how he was his junior, his sophomore, junior year of college, um, you know, and then they got that national title break and, you know, his vision just went haywire. You know, he was running through gaps, creating gaps that weren't even there. You know, just like you guys said, you know, he was doing that the first two years, and then this past, these past two years have been totally different. So you have to also have to wonder if it, you know, maybe he's performing like that because he doesn't like the, you know, doesn't like the offensive scheme that that McCarthy's come up with. You know, maybe just because he feels like he's not needed, which I don't think is true because if that were, you know, if that were think of the case, Tony Pollard wouldn't have been ill. I think Tony Pollard had like 115 yards rushing and two touchdowns, one touchdown on Sunday, running, you know, running that same style of offense. A visionary where I think the lower, the lower price guys probably just wants his opportunity to kind of shine. So we'll see what McCarthy does with, you know, going forward, but there are obviously off season questions right there with the running back position. Um, so Holly, you're going to take Arizona over your Niners from what we gathered. And then <laughs> um, I'm assuming at this point um, I'm rooting for, you know, a Seattle, a Seattle loss. We need a win in Seattle because I don't want the other intangible. But uh, I'm not too confident that McVay is going to make. He's always played Seattle really good, so I'm hoping he'll step up. And after this loss, hopefully they're that pissed off that they got to go into Seattle and kind of, you know, take care of the Seahawks. But uh, other than that, it's, it should be pretty good. So are you bailing on us or hanging out? Uh, so I do have to go, but I wanted to, to leave on the note of saying I will be rooting for the Rams because if my Niners can't, you know, be involved uh, in the playoff scenarios, I just, you know, I don't want the Seahawks to do it. So I am definitely jumping on your, your band, half bandwagon, I guess. <laughs> and awesome. I'll be rooting Appreciate for your it. team. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, Holly, have a good Christmas. You. What's up, space before the new year? Um, so have a great weekend and uh, with family and all that on Friday, okay? All right, you guys too. All right, bye. Right. Bye, Holly. So a mask. Um, Miami gets to go to Vegas. Miami's in the wild card position right now. They're nine and five. Vegas has nothing to play for at this point. Uh, I really, I don't think they're going to make anything out of it. The way they they played this past weekend, unless Mariota, unless Mariota. It's a Tua versus Mariota. I, I I don't know if Carr's coming back, but at this point, if I was Gruden, I would play the hot the hot hand, which was the one that performed pretty well that this past week. Oh man, you know I'm not an Alabama fan by any means, but it seems like all the Bama boys are coming into this league or have been in this league, and I'm just tearing it apart. 
mean, you have Amari Cooper down in Dallas, um, Derrick Henry in Tennessee, and now you got Tua T throwing dimes, him and his left-handed self throwing dimes and just finally opening up that Miami playbook the way it should have been opened up. You know, they had Josh Rosen. That didn't work out. Uh, they had um, Ryan, they had Fitzmagic. That didn't work out. Then you bring to you draft to a T and fresh off the hip, you know, fresh off first off of that hip re, that hip replacement surgery and is moving and playing better than he was when he was at Bama, um, you know, which just goes to show the hard work that he's put in to put himself and keep himself in that position. Um, and the same thing is, you know, with Mariota. Mariota was down there um, in Tennessee for the longest, and then, you know, they choose not to pick up his contract and they ship him to Vegas, and he ends up sitting, you know, sitting on the bench behind – behind, you know, Derek Carr, and now Derek Carr gets hurt, and now Mariota comes back in there and takes the saddle again. So it, it's going to be a – I think it's going to be a bloodbath, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take Miami by, like, 10 just because – I know. have to look Miami because I think defensively they're way better. Um, if they play Carr, then it's a sure win for them. If they play Mariota, kind of a toss-up. I really – it'll be a toss-up. Because Marietta played pretty decent ball right there, and um, you, you do have receivers. You know, you got Jacobs, and, and you got uh, pretty good receivers in uh, in terms of the Raiders. And they looked like they were energized when he came in. After Carr left, it looked like the whole Raider offensive got a little bit energized. Uh, unfortunately, I think it was just a little too late for them at that point. So against Tua, Tua here, they have Tua has an opportunity here. You know, first year in to take Miami to the playoffs. So this, this AFC East is very interesting. And given that Buffalo will face New England, man, I mean, Buffalo should be like just salivating right now to just take it to New England and, and give them a beatdown, send them home. Yeah, if Tua, if Tua plays his cards right, he can definitely get – Miami into the playoffs his for his rookie season, and if if he does that, I think that'll put him in a in better contention for offensive rookie of the year. I think right now at this point, as far as that award's concerned, it's going to be a a pretty good tie between him. Um, it'll be Tua T, Justin Herbert, and probably CD Lamb um, for offensive rookie of the year, and maybe Trist, maybe Tristan Wirfs. You know, um, I mean, they play obviously play three different positions between the four of them. So um, it'll be a battle. But like I said, I think I'm going to take – I'm going to have to give respect to Tua T and those, those fans down there because they have been just – they have been impressing people and with, you know, without hesitation. And you had mentioned it, Mac, uh, a couple of podcasts ago. You said, you know, the uh, Coach Flores, very impressive, especially with the change at quarterback. The defense has improved under his leadership. And this is the fruit of their laboring now. This is an opportunity for Miami, uh, especially with the New England down year, for them to really get into the playoffs. And now it becomes uh, a kind of a serious mode for them to recover after two horrible seasons prior to that. We're looking at Miami kind of like just even if they get into the wild card and not, not even get a win, but as long as they get into the wild card, very impressive turnaround. Yeah, the, like, I said, the, like I said, you know, a couple of, couple podcasts ago the defense has has like a they have a fire to them now they're like they're like they're constantly alert they're not just alert when it's third down it's downs one through four and punt 
you know, punt return. So it's like it, there's a there's a tremendous difference there, and it's it's really interesting to see. I like it a lot. It's it's very refreshing. All right, Josh Allen will face New England. New England has nothing to play for. So at this point, they're almost on the same boat as the Niners against Arizona. Um, but I just I just feel like he's on a groove now. Uh, Allen and company, Beasley, uh, Singletary, McKinney, everybody out there in Buffalo is on a groove. I mean, they know they've already clinched the division. This is just an icing or just a, a you know a middle finger to New England for the year. That's exactly what it is. It's it's a big 180 middle finger to that cocky fan base and the you know feeling of not being able to get over that New England hump. And like I said, in 2020 they've been able to reverse that in handling. Like I said, they've got those big parts over there in defense. You know, being led by the rookie AJ Epinesa out of Iowa. Okay, they've got Josh Allen just ripping people apart. They've got Colby Lee over there. And they're and and they're for once their offensive line is stout. That's the biggest difference between having all those parts on different sides of the ball, but having an offensive line to go with it. That's that's the biggest part, and that's the part that excites me. And I think that's also the part that is putting teams on notice. Like it's not going to be easy playing a Buffalo Bills team that's you know got equal components now. Uh, Mac, I had a tweet from somebody that said to me. Uh, Pittsburgh is a fraud, and the Bills are for real. The eleven and three, they're eleven and three. The Bills are for real. Pittsburgh somehow just got here on luck, and they're, they're starting to show. I'm not gonna say they're fraud because you don't just go eleven and zero easily. But you also didn't, you know, you didn't manhandle anybody. You didn't. Like you weren't on all cylinders, all eleven of those games. Um, so I would, I think the better term is probably a little bit of a fake ID or exposed. Yeah. I'm not gonna say they're a fraud because you can't, you, you, know, you can't discredit. Yeah, you can't discredit the wins that they've already gotten, and to, I mean, and and the pure fact that they have a stout defense, like they have a defense that's a lot, that's a lot like the steel curtain, you know. Or I guess a baby stole curtain is what I've been what I've been hearing being circulated. Well, and then Pittsburgh kind of struggled the last uh, what three weeks with the COVID, the scheduling changes, uh, all this other stuff that's happened to them. So maybe I don't know if that's a factor at this point, com- considering everything that's happened to them. It looks like they're they, basically they're playing for their playoff lives. They could have done the same thing the Rams did. If they beat the Jets, they won the, the, the they would, if they beat the Bengals, they would have won the division. And now they're they're on the outside looking in and hoping some other somebody else is going to help them out. So it's really tough there. Um, but who knew at the beginning of the year that we would see number one Kansas City and number two Buffalo in the AFC? It's pretty impressive for the Buffalo. Yeah, you know, like I said, it, it takes you know couple drafts, you know, some trades, free agents, you know, to really get, to really start to rebuild a team to where they can start being respected. And that's exactly what the Bills have done. That's exactly what they have done. And they deserve every part of this. Like I said, you just, you now have to keep it. You have to, you have to stay consistent with it. All right. So uh, the other tweet I got, Mac, was don't ever say that New York, Giants and New York Jets are 
New, from New York because they're not. So the real New York team is the Buffalo Bills, New York State. So that's what I was clarified with. So the Buffalo Bills are yeah, New York. I can, only NFL New York team. I, yeah, and I can see why people would say that because that is true. They are the only team that's from New York State. Both of the other two, I believe, play in New Jersey. So I yeah. can definitely understand, and I can definitely see okay. why. Especially the way they're playing right now, I think they're all taking pride, right, because the other two teams just suck. <laughs> they're bad. They're horrible. So there's no pride in the uh, New Jersey squads in the Meadowlands. Well, in Buffalo, yeah, it's kind of upright. Um, and then, you know, Buffalo, a small town. If you think about Green Bay, you think about Buffalo, there's a couple, you know, cities in the NFL small towns so I mean just the community in Buffalo to for them to be ranked number two in the AFC I mean they just they got to be ecstatic right now yeah it, they are really you know they are kind of um as far as Buffalo is concerned they are smaller in that concept in terms of you know Green Bay big city um you know Pittsburgh big city Dallas, big city, you know, New York Giants, big city, Miami, big city. You know, Buffalo is a, is a smaller is a smaller city, but it's got a big team. I mean, they're playing big. They look big, and they're they're solid. It's just you can't take away you can't take away what they've done already. All right, um, you think the Browns are winning because of Callie Brenton that came in and helped them out at this point and be a double win? No OBJ. And uh, the Browns literally at this point are playing for a playoff berth, which they haven't done since like 2001, I think it is. So um, Stefanski and company, very impressive in terms of turning the Browns in double digits, where the last season and two seasons before, these, these other two coaches could not do it, even with so much talent that they had. You know... You know, I like to give Oklahoma fans a big razzing. It's quite entertaining for me. With that aside, Baker Mayfield, I think, has finally started to understand that you can't just go off of – you can't just come off of, you know, a good sophomore season or, you know, a good rookie season. You have to put in the extra work, and I think that's exactly what he's done. He's been able to do all of the – the adjustments, adaptations to a different head coaches in a year, um, adding Kelly Brunson to, um, you know, to that offensive, um, offensive uh, coaching staff or staff in general. And, you know, he's, he's probably one of the, this is, people are going to give me a bunch of crap for this, but, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying I hate him, but he's one of the most disliked people in the NFL for whatever reason I can't quite seem to figure out, but like, I think it's his strange moxie that he has that people don't quite care for. I mean, obviously, you know, most of us aren't in the Browns, you know, locker room, front office, things of that nature. But I think he's proving people wrong. You know, I think he's proving people like, I'm here to play. My team is legit. You know. He's got weapons. I think Uh, that's what it is. The backup, running backs, I mean, both running back sets are good. The receivers are in place. I got a good tight end. Um, I mean, I think the balance, they're balancing the offense a lot better for him where he can actually, you know, do the escapability part of it. Uh, In the red zone, they've converted a lot more impressively. 
So I think, you know, Cleveland, in, in that regard, we weren't talking about them at the beginning of the year because we thought, okay, same old, same old Browns. But now we're, the question mark is whether the Ravens are going to be even relevant. And then at this point, Pittsburgh looks like it's on a slide. So there's an opportunity for uh, Cleveland to kind of get into the playoffs and maybe make some noise. Well, you know, and that's, that's exactly my point is like, you know, we know the Browns for being one in 16 and two and 31 within the past three or four years. Then Baker Mayfield gets, you know, number one draft pick and boom, he slowly turns, you know, turns that Browns, that Browns offensive team into a legitimately respectable team. Then the next year you add Nick Chubb. Then the next year you pick up Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. off a trade in free agency. Then you pick, then you, in that same draft as Dak Prescott, you pick up Miles Garrett, you know, and then you just start building your team. And that's, that's what, that's what it's all about. Like I said, building, rebuilding and building your team through drafts and, and extra components is what's going to do it. All right. So we're, lo- we're looking at the uh, two weeks left here uh, coming into it. AFC Kansas city and obviously already the, the top dog 13 and one Buffalo 11 and three Pittsburgh 11 and three Tennessee 10 and four. So they must win against, Green Bay for them to clinch the playoff berth. Uh, Cleveland in the same scenario. Indianapolis really on the outside looking in. So they got to make a, a push for it. Uh, Miami, I think, should win a, against uh, the Raiders. The Raiders will get eliminated. I doubt they'll fire Gruden. I think he's on a 10-year contract, so I don't think he's going to be ousted. Uh, on the other side, Green Bay is 11-3. New Orleans, 10-4. and uh, Seattle, 10-4. and And you got uh, Washington football team, 6-8. and eight. Uh, could win the division here. Uh, uh, the Rams, 9-5 against that big battle against Seattle. Uh, Tampa Bay should get should get the win, and then that means uh, the Tom Brady streak for being in the playoffs will remain intact. And then Arizona really should get a win against uh, San Francisco, and that puts them in the hunt for the playoffs too. So interesting Week 16 weekend uh, starting Friday, and there's a couple games on Saturday. Sunday night game, Tennessee versus Green Bay. Monday night, uh, hopefully it's not an embarrassing situation for New England, but Buffalo, New England on Monday night as well. Pretty exciting weekend for, uh, you know, in terms of the playoff hunts and in terms of who's going to get in, who's not going to get in. Yeah, this this holiday weekend for, you know, at least NFL is going to be interesting. Like I said, you have an NFC East division that literally can be taken by anybody because that's how close it is, and that's just how bad the NFC East has been this year. Then you have the numerous amounts of teams that you just mentioned, most of them in contention, and then a couple people hunting on the wild card spot, and some teams that are just looking for spoilers. So it's going to be interesting to see who plays those spoiler parts, who steps up and wins big, and who just, you know, is able to slide in there. All right. So um, if you guys haven't gone to the Hub, I don't know what you're doing week to week, but you go to the Hub. Uh, go to the Hub, figure it out at facebook.com forward slash Red Iron Beauties. Check it out there. we got NFL content, college football content, plus everything that happens in the women's game. You're up to date in one place, one time, because we have the best network on the planet covering the sport. So check it out. And if you went to the Hub, you would know that Naomi Robles was the first woman to play uh, Onefa Major League in Mexico, similar to a Sarah Fuller uh, playing in a Power Five in the uh, U.S. So shout out to Naomi Robles for uh, participating, being the first woman to play in a uh, Onefa Major League, which is 
a high university uh, caliber play in Mexico. So pretty awesome, Mac. Yeah, you know, when I saw that we dropped that over there on the hub, like we normally drop all the breaking news as far as football is concerned, I was very, I was very proud because, you know, football and women play no joke football. It doesn't matter what platform it's on. And the faster people realize that, the faster the sport's going to grow. And the faster the sport's going to grow, the easier everybody's lives will be. You know, football's not just played on a field with men or on a flag with full equipment. There's all kinds of different football, but it's hard-hitting and it's legitimate. And if you went to the hub, people would know that. All right. The other article, uh, if you missed it, is Ashley Wisenhunt, WFA champion, Team USA uh, world champion, and uh, an outstanding flag, international flag uh, player as well. And she's out, she's been on Team USA for the flag side as well. So you get the article there at, at for Ashley Wisenhunt, which is one an amazing uh, athlete all the way around, uh, amazing uh, woman as well, very talented. Um, if you missed the WNFC um, special event, you can get the replay right there. Uh, all the coaches from all WNFC teams uh, giving their feedback in terms of a preseason set, in terms of what's going to happen with each team and where they're at in terms of rostering. Uh, including a shout out to the 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 Mac truck here from uh, the coach at Nebraska, the Nebraska coach. Impressive uh, preseason and uh, off season workout. So, uh, Mackenzie, good, good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Look, I'll tell you just a little bit. If you missed the special event roster reveal for the WNSD, you can catch it on the WNSD page, I believe. Um, the live video itself is still out there. Um, you can also check the WNFC website as well. Um, but our coach, um, Lyndon Johnson, man, I love Coach Johnson. That's my guy. He's so funny, but he means business. And that's exactly what our team needed is we needed a change. You know, we needed somebody that was going to get, you know, get in our butt and say, look, we're here to play football. We're not here to do anything else. You know, you can do something, joke on the side, but we're here when it's practice, it's practice. When it's game, it's game. You're here to learn. You're here to work. So, and, and I feel like as a veteran of the sport and a second-year veteran of the Nebraska Nighthawks, I feel as if my team has adapted to Coach Johnson and the new staff very, very well. Um, and i got to give a shout-out to my entire team because we've done nothing but work our butts off this year. We already know that we're going to be we're, – we're an underdog, but we don't look at it that way. We play with a chip on our shoulder, and we're going to run right through people. That's what we do. That's what the Nighthawks do. That's what – teams in the WNFC do. So anybody that's out there doubting us, you better strap your helmet on because we're coming in. We're not coming slow. And on top of that, he's obviously a very experienced coach from the Euro Leagues and the semi-pro men's leagues as well and women's uh, teams over in Europe as well. So you got a really good duel right there. Competition for him is not going to be a surprise. Obviously, you got Utah and you got all the other tough teams in the West, in the Midwest and to the West there. So he's expecting, obviously, a battle, and he's expecting you guys to really be in that mix. So really uh, really good job there. So shout-out to you and your team. We're doing a great job. The other news was uh, Mike Oliveira by the X-League announces that um, he is going to be the new owner of equity for the Austin Sound. Uh, we also had uh, Dane Robinson for the Atlanta Empire, as the league had announced at the beginning of the year that they would give an opportunity to coaches to see if they would like to own franchises. So they're going into a franchise mode with some coaches 
and another coach here is uh, Mike Oliveira. Uh, IWFA Texas teams uh, submitted their uh, all-star rostering in terms of awards, so you can check it out right there, uh, offense, defense, special teams, everything else from the 8-on-8 teams in IWFA. So it's right there at the hub for the honors, all the honors for the IWFA teams. So check it out there if you have a chance. And then uh, you can get everything NFL recaps from this past weekend from the NFL, plus college football uh, rundowns from everything that happened in the college football game, also at the hub there. Uh, On top of that, uh, Callie Branson in the Hall of Fame uh, for the game uh, with the Browns game. And she participated there when she was doing the coaching, the substitute coaching for the uh, tight end group. So she's in the Hall of Fame. And then the Sarah Fuller um, moment and all the things that happened with Sarah Fuller are also going to be at the College Football Hall of Fame. So really impressive. Uh, two honors for both uh, amazing athletes there. Oh, man. Just, just a bunch of deserving individuals for the sport of football have been have finally are being recognized and, and I love that. We just we gotta capitalize on it. Got to, which means people gotta have to go to the hub, people have to follow the women's teams, people have to actually get in tune with the women's game, whether it's in the States or international. That's what's gonna get more women and more deserving people into that Hall of Fame setting. And like I said, it starts with going to the hub and, and checking out the news. It starts with ingratiating yourself in the sport and not just as a as you know, a fan of of football, but as an actual fan, knowing all the other components other than NFL and college. Yeah, so thanks to everybody that uh, contributes to our um, information, especially on the women's side. We got off-season in the WFA. You got off-season in the WNFC. We got WFLA uh, going to kick off probably in May of 2021, as is slated today. Uh, hopefully that will not change. But uh, we got two top three leagues, Plus, we still got the leagues in Canada, the WWCFL, the uh, Maritime in Canada, plus the three top leagues in Mexico, Lexville, Lafay, and FX Mexico. So once they get rolling, hopefully uh, without this COVID mentality here, once they get rolling, you're going to get to see uh, the best women's American football ballers on the North American continent. And you get the coverage right here from the best network on the planet is at the hub at facebook.com forward slash great and beauties. All right. Um, Shout out to uh, Mac, all our listeners in Russia, 1% listener in Russia. So I don't know how many people that is, but shout out to Russia for diving into the hub. And then also shout out to them for um, subscribing to our podcast. Shout out to the Spain group. Uh, gracias, España, uh, por uh, uh, este, uh, estar con el podcast con nosotros. Mucho, mucho, mucho uh, gracias. And then Australia, can always, our Aussie girls. Our Aussie fans really love you guys out there, always in the mix and listening to the podcast, plus everybody in Canada and the U.S. So really, really appreciate you guys. So listen to the, uh, the podcast. Get the replays on, on your favorite platform. You can listen to Mac, Holly, Nate, myself, and all the previous co-hosts that we've had over 300 episodes. So don't miss out on all the content that we've had for uh, – you know, since 2009, over 350 episodes now. So, uh, Mac, uh, listening to you in Russia and Spain, it's pretty awesome for, in, in terms of Euro scene. Look, I'm almost cool, Oscar. You know, I'm trying to catch up to you and Holly and Nate. You know, we have a fan base. I feel like I'm just here. You know, I, it's it's nice to know that my crazy voice and personality is being heard over in the Euros. 
I love that. Okay. I love me some Russians. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are really funny. Just so you guys know, I'm with it. Thank you for your support. That goes for everybody. Okay. Without you, we could not do this podcast. Without you, we can't have a hub, you know, because we have to have a public and audience to present news to, and that's y'all. So, you know, we just give a big shout-out on this holiday weekend. I hope everybody has a great holiday season. Be safe, mask up, and all that good stuff. All right. So um, let's end it up here. Uh, we have a bye week in Australia. Queensland, the championship won last weekend by ACES 11. Now uh, Gridiron New South Wales, we get a bye week this week. And uh, Gridiron West, we get a bye week this week. So um, grid, um, New South Wales will not be back in action until uh, January 16th, week, uh, week 11. And then Gridiron West will be back in action January 1st. So at the beginning of, of the new year. So we'll get, dive into them as we get back into action at the, at the beginning of first week or second week of January. And uh, Gridiron West goes through February. And then um, Gridiron New South Wales is going to end up at the middle of February. So, Mac, I don't know what else, uh, but a uh, great holiday. Hopefully you're going to have a great time at home and, uh, you know, spend it with your family and everything else. And hopefully you're not uh, crazy shopping. I did my shopping mostly online last month, so kind of got caught up with everything ahead of time so I didn't have to go out and, do much shopping but uh hopefully uh you know that's gonna be the case for you yeah oscar i pretty much have all my shopping done um just gotta finish wrapping a couple stuff up and then you know we're good to go all right so uh thanks for coming in i really appreciate it hope you have a great friday christmas day uh we'll check out our pre uh new year's podcast obviously next tuesday and get ready for the new year because we're going to be bringing a little bit more heat and, uh, you know, more reach on the, the major platforms. So we're diving into a lot more things at the beginning of the new year. Hopefully all those things will benefit and bring more awareness to women's American football, especially here in the U.S. and North America. But shout out to all the amazing ballers of 2020, uh, the IWFA, uh, everybody that played uh, women's American football and flag tackle this year that w- they got the opportunity to play. So shout out to all you guys that uh, provided us with some content uh, for our football fix. So thank you guys all to all the Texas girls out there that played in the IWFA that did an amazing job throughout that season as well. So we anticipate a great new year, um, hopefully COVID free, especially with the vaccine going now and every, and all these places. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, Mac, uh, I guess we got, you just got to pray that everything goes back to normal, hopefully by, you know, before April and we get some football. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking that's what's going to happen. But in order to do that, we got to keep up with the regulations, you know, wear your mask, wear your work needed, stay home if you're sick, go, you know, get tested if you absolutely have to, you know, keep the social distancing up because the, the more that we, you know, as a whole group of people, followed by, you know, the rules and regulations of the COVID season, the faster we'll be able to go back to a somewhat normal lifestyle. All right. So uh, for Mackenzie Brooks, uh, the absent Holly Custis and Nate Ward, Oscar Lopez here wishing you a merry, merry Christmas and a happy new year. We'll see you here next uh, week for the pre-New Year's edition of the podcast. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.